Welcome everybody to the Mando Fan Show. Who is that guy? Why is he infiltrating Book of Boba Fett? Holy cow! What an episode! Thank you to everybody for joining us here. We are live and very excited to talk about Chapter Five of the Book of Boba Fett: Return of the Mandalorian, written by John Favreau, directed by wonderfully directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, with me, as always, Lacey and James, and our guest this week, uh, the basis for the band's Story of the Year and co-host of the Star Wars podcast. Thank the maker. Welcome to the Resistance base, Adam Russell. What's going on, man? Hello there. Hello. <laughs> nice Hello <like> there. <laughs> uh, first <laughs> Easter egg out of the gate, an Obi-Wan Kenobi Easter egg, which is the hopefully the next live action series we talk about. But uh, dude, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, I kind of want to, for someone who's like new to, as a guest to our show, I uh, just want to get an idea, even though he wasn't in this episode, are you a Boba Fett fan? I am as of last year. Like I always I'm kind thought, of the same way. Yeah. Me too. Like I always yeah. thought Boba Fett looked cool, but I never really got it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I agree. I hear was, people he, say stuff like, you know, of course, as a kid, like if we ever played Star Wars, I wanted to be Boba Fett. If I was the villain, I always had the Boba Fett figure, and I was like, really? I mean, you know, it's cool. But now I'm Vader, fully but on board. Yeah. Right, yeah. I was, it was a little bit of a hot take, but I always kind of considered him a little overrated. But now, Kind uh, of a chump, the way he died. He did. But he's yeah, come back. Like a chump. Yeah, he, he, he's had quite the, uh, quite the glow up, as they say, in his later life in that Polynesian spa. Would you, where does he lay now is he like your like would you say like top 30 top 20 like where, where's boba fett falling for you uh i mean this version the tamara morrison like stormtrooper helmet shattering maori dancing version <laughs> he's up there like top 20 for sure oh All cool. right yeah that demption yeah legit um so before we get going here i do want to thank everybody who's joining us live in the chat i see a bunch of people in there already uh looks like we have 120 people in there right now so uh if you don't mind you if you're on twitter social media wherever you are share the episode let people know come on in join the party it's gonna be a good time uh if you do want your comment guaranteed to be featured on the show we do have super chats available we will be reading some comments throughout but just have a good time enjoy it this should be a great chat and we're uh very thankful for uh adam for joining us here on this little party we got going on so um as you know by now the first thing we do on the mando fan show to kind of get the uh vibe going is rate this thing and chapter five looks like it had a lot of buzz behind it I absolutely loved it. I got up really early to do the Mando Minute. Hopefully you had a chance to check that out. But we rate it on the Tamara Morrison face scale. That beautiful face with the best veneers in the galaxy. Zero to ten. Halves count. Uh, So we're going to see it. I have a feeling that this is going to be one of the higher rated episodes. We'll see. Um, James, we're going to start it off with you this week. Uh, Mm -hmm. What did you rate Chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett? The return, not the, return of the Mandalorian. (laughs) on the Tamara Morrison face scale. So it was tricky because I knew I enjoyed it a lot, but it was hard. It not being a book of 
Boba Fett episode, really, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like if they yeah. just didn't air this and like when you click play on episode five, it plays Return of the Jedi, would I be like, 10? <laughs> you know, like, I love it. <laughs> it was great kind of thing. But, you know, so I was kind of back and forth with some stuff, but I did end up giving it a really high score, which was a nine. Um, my highest of the seasons, kind of surprisingly, I, I don't know. But I think I'm not alone in that because I, it felt very clear on uh, social media and everything that everybody was like, I loved this episode, but you know, best one so far, very excited. And I don't know what that says about the book of Boba Fett, but we'll get into that. I'm sure. But I, I landed yeah. on a nine for my final thoughts on this episode. Nice. Yeah. That's your highest, at least since I think you threw a nine out for one of the, uh, I think I had nines and nine, 9.5s. Yeah. Yeah. In other seasons, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, Adam, how about you, buddy? I give it 10, Tamara Morrison, Maori tongues. Because, <laughs> yeah. dude, I, yeah, ten, solid ten. I, I, I rethought it for a second, but yeah, ten. I, I just, I felt so many emotions right out of the gate. As soon as the title card hit, I choked up, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it, it was just like such a perfect blend of everything new about Star Wars that we love, tributes to everything that all the groundwork that the George laid with the most care and love that you could ask for mm-hmm. tie-ins to the prequels that made things for prequel haters still awesome. And things for, you know, things for those of us who love all of it happy in the moment, knowing like, dude, even the, even the gnarliest prequel haters going to love that. And one starfighter when he's done, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And then leading into what is clearly teeing up for uh, bringing in all the, all the stuff from the cartoons into live action and thinking again about other fans who might not have seen any of that, how stoked they're going to get. And it just, it just hit all the right stuff. 10, 10 faces, 10 heads, 10 tongues, 10, 10 for 10. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm with James. I'm giving this a nine. Um, I always have, I envy, your confidence to give a 10 adam because i'm always like there's always the best the better episode coming and then i have to do the spinal tap thing where i'm like it's an an 11 uh but nine for me uh the same types of things you were saying both of you um just hit everything it was kind of like a cocktail of star wars and they mixed it up and fed it to us and it was uh, fantastic and even though uh boba fett wasn't in it i'm not going to penalize it um, cause I think there's just like with all of John Favreau storytelling in star Wars so far, there's a reason for everything and, and the payoff. And then when you go back and watch these things, you're like, I get why that happened. So nine for me, highest score of the season so far, best episode hands down without question of the season so far. Uh, Lacey, where are you at with chapter five? You're stealing my hands down, hands down. <laughs> this is the best episode so far of the season. Uh, which I know everyone's making the joke online. They're like, best episode, there's no Boba Fett. <laughs> so I made the joke for you. You don't have to make it. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Are you doing an eight mile here where you say all the jokes so that they can't say the jokes after? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm stupid. I already said that for you too. Um, so I gave this nine out of 10. I thought this episode was awesome. Um, I didn't know I would miss. I knew I missed Mando. But I didn't know how much until I saw him come through those grocery store, like, plastic curtain. <laughs> yeah. Like, as soon as I saw him, I, I, like, literally fist bumped. And the funny thing is, 
going into the episode out loud, I said to myself, I was like, well, Mando should be in this episode. And they get you right in the beginning where they're like, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait. Yeah. He's here. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and it was just so amazing. Bryce Dallas Howard is a queen and can do whatever she wants with Star Wars, in my opinion. She is absolutely amazing. Uh, we'll get into shots and stuff, but there are so many stunning shots and camera movements and just so many great things in this episode outside of just the story itself that made this my favorite episode and i can't wait to get into it deeper but yeah no this was my favorite and the reason i gave it a nine is because we all know what's coming next episode so i couldn't give it a 10 because you guys know what's coming and i can't i can't i'm sorry nine is high though that's i think all of our highs so far this season and that rounds the four of us out to a 9.25 look at that oh hey, sorry I... my bad <laughs> whoosh covers it up can i can i make a comment yeah yeah that's why you're here so <laughs> yeah yeah welcome to the show yeah. <laughs> so, just just on just the concept Hold of comments to the end <laughs> just oh just on the concept of of being hesitant to give 10 Thames or five stars or this or that, mm-hmm. you know, if there's some kind of like corporate retail, like rating back end for uh, Tamara Morrison or something, <laughs> just, it's like these, I don't know if I can curse here. Uh, if th- these MFers who can't give me 10 stars, just, just on policy. And then that brings down my NPS. Like what, what is this? <laughs> just consider that in the future well my thing is i've gone so crazy with mando where i'm always giving nines and 9.5 so i've been like i'm gonna go into this fresh i'm gonna go into this like this is the new me new year (laughs) and here i am at a nine again right back up to a nine yeah (laughs) Um, james the 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 ollie g 10 10 10 10 gift yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like are you serious and he's like yeah. yes like a hundred percent like <laughs> adam's like did i stutter sending the family, uh, yeah. um nine so 9.25 for us and then we're, we'll flip it over to our patrons they have a chance to submit their scores we average those up james it looks like a little bit lower uh i think we have the patrons at an 8.8 so yep. uh, there we go there. But still, I think that might be their highest score as well. So from us and our patrons, very high scores for Chapter 5. It appears it is the unanimous best chapter yet uh, as we're uh, two chapters to go in this season. So we'll see if uh, it can be topped. But so far, yeah, a lot of 10 out of 10s. Uh, that's going to be happening. That's going to be a theme going on tonight, I think, on this episode. A um, <laughs> couple of comments uh, real quick from that. Uh, I like from our patrons. too. Uh, first one here, Megan Poehler, eight out of 10 Thames, just needed more Tem. This converts to 10 out of 10 Pedro's, Pedro's though. though. I <laughs> loved her conversion. Megan, well done. I was like, we could have done a Pedro scale tonight just to bring it back. Everyone in the chat is saying that. We know, guys. We know. The Pedro scale is, yeah, it's being, it's collecting dust right now, ready for season three of The Mandalorian, but it's there. We still have the scale. We have the set pieces, I swear. Um, Next, Ian Thompson with Adam. 10 out of 10 beautiful Pedro faces. Again, Pedro. Honestly, I can't, honestly, I can't even really begin to capture the wondrousness. What a word. Of what Chapter 5 gave us, it was uh, visually gorgeous. I laughed, I cried, I was in awe. This may be my favorite 51 minutes of Star Wars ever because every second of it was an absolute delight. All right, Ian. So uh, kindred spirits there, Adam. Ian is with you uh, on the tens of Tim. Um, Great job there. Okay. Uh, Lacey, we good to move on to some Easter eggs? 
So we do have a couple comments that I wanted to bring up and some super chats. But first, I thought this was a really funny comment from Steven. I brought it up before, so I apologize for going over the score. But hands down, this is the best episode featuring Jawa romance I've ever seen, which we'll yeah. get into in a yeah. little bit. By default, yeah. maybe? <laughs> yeah, by default. So first up for super chats, we have James P. What up, James? He said, happy Mando hump day, TRB. How happy were my Phantom Menace peeps with that yellow, delicious Naboo Starfighter appearing? Wow. I think that's why a lot of people rated this episode so high is because I believe, Adam, you had said that uh, all the prequel callbacks and stuff for people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next is Double D. Thank you so much. You said, I never realized how much I missed Din Dejarin. Yeah. I know, right? I felt it hard when he walked through, like it's I said, the grocery store. Curtain. Yeah. Uh, next is McElvis. McElvis, how's it going? Who said the nostalgia was strong with this one? Look, give me all the fan service. I need it right now. Uh, then we have JC. Thank you so much. We said, how freaking cool was that ring world? Halo it was, was cool. sick. Yeah. It was absolutely great. I yeah. I was just like really, and I know people are going to give me flack for this, but I was really excited to see something like a new planet. Yeah. And yeah, not sand. Yeah, yeah. It, it pulled me back to, to Rogue One with like the Ring of Kafreen. And you're yes. like, yes. oh, this is interesting. This is not like just a sphere you know there's like something cool here that's going on and the way it spun how the light was kind of just going through the city oh yeah. my gosh so cool such a cool it, concept it's also awesome to see something that's like such an old sci-fi concept going back to like asimov i want to say like was yeah. the first to to postulate that idea and we've seen it throughout sci-fi and all different kind of things but to do it here and make it so star wars still like it didn't look like star trek it didn't look like no right yeah really well done I agree. I agree completely. Um, and there's some, there's definitely some Easter eggs that are tied to that scene and, and that location and stuff that uh, we can uh, get into in a bit here. Um, so let's hop we over have, to... We have a couple wait, more. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. not done yet. <laughs> so Double D is back again. What up? He said, did y'all see Grogu's head shape in the present? Yes, we did. Yes. We'll get it that Absolutely. in the Easter yeah. egg. Uh, we have a couple more. Thank you. The second time. Byron Williams, thank you so much for the super chat. Said, so amped when I saw the pod racing track from Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Guys, you are killing it with these Easter eggs. Well done. JC's back again. Said, guys, BD Droid, I squeed. Squeed. (laughs) (laughs) I squeed. And the last one for now is from uh, JD Cars, I believe. JG. 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 My bad. Uh, What up, JG? He said, I love how new musical cues from The Mandalorian and the animated shows are giving us the same feelings that we do from the music from the films. It's incredible how Mando's theme or Ahsoka stirs us like the Force theme does. The end of last episode, chapter four, I literally was like, yes, at the end of the episode. I'm sure everybody was. I did a rewatch because my wife is trying to keep up, too. So I did one of my rewatches with her. And then, like, the first and second time I watched it, I didn't get moved by Chapter 4 at the end. But what, rewatching it with her and, like, seeing her reaction because she loves Mando more than Boba Fett, mm-hmm. I started getting a little, like, choked up knowing, like, he's coming back, man. Like, yeah. So, you know? It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if this, if this kind of kicks off the Easter egg thing or not, but, like, there is the... Did you guys notice they, they mix the themes just for yeah. the intro? Yes. Yeah, okay. So we can, I don't know if we want to talk about that here or, or wait a little bit longer, but. No, let's go. Um, let's get into well, Easter eggs. I wonder, I wonder if that, yeah. So Adam, you know, we, it could be pop culture references. It could be things that look like something from a Spielberg movie, a direct Star Wars Easter egg, something that stood out to you and triggered that nerd brain 
so any Easter eggs you spotted? And you did sort of say you got a little choked up at the opening credits. Was it because of the blend of the music or was it something else? Or It, it was just the title card, just, you know, Return of the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. With the blank music. Of the blank is also sure. very Star Warsy too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got me. But uh, <laughs> first one is a quote from the uh, from the armorer. The songs of Eon past, sorry, the songs of Eon's past foretold of the Mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in legends. <laughs> <laughs> the most meta quote maybe in all of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I definitely went to Wikipedia after seeing that. I'm like, oh, the legends tab. Yeah. <laughs> the legends. Um, I, could, I could see like Emily Swallow saying that like, as in during an interview and you'd be yeah. like wow that was really well spoken and yes it's true only sad that it, but it's like actual dialogue from the show <laughs> what, That's what would be know, amazing like, is if they created like just a link loop on wikipedia you know just to <laughs> bounce back and just on that quote you know just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get trapped in that circle um and you know feloni was like john toss that in there like yeah. that's just legends yeah. yeah. Favreau's like what's Favreau's like what's legends i don't know what that <laughs> <laughs> um all right Lacey, you're up next i'm gonna go with the most obvious one uh off the top of the episode where he says which i didn't know i was gonna get so hyped about but i literally yelled out yes out loud this morning in my house was when he said i can bring you in warm or i can bring you in cold yeah call yes. back yeah so hyped for that quote <laughs> That says yippee Kaye. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And he yeah, puts his hand on his holster and freezes blaster. Um yeah, James, yeah. What, what do you got? Um Well, I'll I'll stick with that. Let's talk about that that mixed theme thing too, because it didn't happen in uh the previous chapter at the end, and it doesn't happen at the end of this episode either. It only happens, I believe, during that title card. It's really interesting to go, to initially start with that Boba Fett theme and then have it just blend. It's not like the two together, like Rogue One kind of did that sometimes. Yeah. It makes like two themes and kind of put them together. This like blended and went from one to the other. And I was like, wow, like they managed to pull that off in such a way that you almost don't even realize it's happening. But it's it's very clear to the episode that you're watching like this was book of boba fett and now what you're getting ready to watch is not a mix of the two it's the mandalorian we're gonna move into that and it was almost thematic in that the way that they uh didn't just put the two together but they moved into the other one just for the for this particular episode which i don't know what they're gonna do next week um probably being boba fett back and still have than jarring around but um but no i thought it was uh, a cool little clever thing that if you didn't pick up go listen to it now and you'll be like oh wow right yeah <laughs> i see that uh, john's comment there yeah john forsyth chimed in and said i can bring you in cold said in a walk-in freezer <laughs> <laughs> i mean talk about easter eggs like the first shot i was like getting immediate rocky vibes just yes. uh, like, yeah i wrote that down too as like an easter yeah. egg too, like a rocky vibe um, here but in terms of a Star Wars Easter egg, um, which ties into another sci-fi franchise, the the shots of the Night of a Thousand Tears and the uh, Imperial security droids just basically being Terminators mm-hmm. and just walking through with the hovering probe droids for the first time ever looking intimidating. What a shot that was. And I, I'm going to jump the gun here and say that was probably my favorite shot in the whole uh, episode was what the explosion and the creating the silhouettes of those uh droids 
let me quick piggyback off that too something you might not have caught but the the fuel container uh is kind of like from rebels like lethal that whole thing oh when, yeah when it explodes that. yeah like that explosion is kind of like a it's not but it's like loosely like reminiscent of Kanan dying like that's yeah that fuel tank explosion was what the, what he was in and what caused him to die so it's like seeing that in live action you're like man that's a massive explosion and those yeah. are the tanks from from rebels so it's kind of cool yeah, it adds weight to like his power and what he really yeah. did. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, Adam, uh, did you have any others uh, references, Easter eggs, anything you wanted to nerd out on? Yeah, I got a, a handful, but to further that one first, I think there's Even a bunch more. of Terminator stuff in there. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> Go for it. So the Thai bombers with those, the kind of the dual cockpits, you know, or the one mm-hmm. cockpit and the, whatever the side one is, for, at least from the upper angle and, you know, backlit by all the explosions, look just like the hk the aerial hunter killers from yes. terminator you know yeah. yeah and then a lot of world war ii imagery again going back to all lucas's influence there so i mean you've got like the the one big shot of the big hiroshima looking explosion and then the carpet bombing you know d-day style and all that kind of stuff so a, a great cool. mix and somebody for you know bryce howard bryce dallas howard's age like my exact age <laughs> it's just all connected. I'm like such a Terminator, you know, mid '90s kind of sci-fi fan. So that was all connecting. Dude, me too. That was very, very cool. cool. Yeah, I was. I was actually just. We were like one shot away from seeing a security droid stepping on a skull or something. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Oh, seeing <laughs> all the helmets on the ground was so depressing. It, yeah. It yeah. would have been crazy to see the K2 droid step on a Mandalorian helmet and it like just crashes uh, yeah, right. somehow. Yeah. But it probably wouldn't have made sense. But would have been yeah. would have been cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, Adam, yeah, if you, if you want to rifle... I was going to uh, say, uh, if he wants to go with someone yeah. else. Yeah. Um, here, what's a good one? Oh, the the moment right before Din shows up at Pelly's place, when Pelly's getting pulled behind that, whatever that <laughs> kind of like console thing is, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of... That's, you know, in every horror movie you can think of or something like that. But it being Bryce Dallas Howard and her being of the age she is and then the movie she was in that's jurassic park yes straight i up, thought right? that and i also thought barb from stranger things yeah. as a recent reference of like yeah. someone that's like holding on before they get taken yeah yeah the, the very beginning of jurassic park is what i thought of too man yeah. and yep. it's just like that way of spielberg cutting budget corners and being like we really just have two people holding that person and they're selling <laughs> the horror we're not showing a beast here yet yep mm-hmm. uh and a little bit of Jaws, too, in the beginning when For the woman sure, yeah. being dragged around the water. Yeah, so I'm glad you pointed that out because uh, I thought that, and I was like, "Am I? is this a stretch here? But if you saw it and other people saw it, then it must have been like one of those like little nod to uh, Spielberg. So I like that one. Good call. Um, uh, Lacey, do you have uh, any others you want to throw? I know our audience fired off a bunch, so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. You make a list in your head and you're like, got to remember this, got to remember this, got to remember this. And you just like, get here and then you forget. Uh, one that's kind of sticking out to me that might not be one, but I'm kind of feeling that it is only because I've seen this movie so many times is when he's flying. First of all, he's flying the N1 Starfighter through Beggar's Canyon and there's a womp rat. It pan, like it tilts up from the womp rat, which is really funny because it goes back to Luke and like all these other things. Yeah. Um, but to see the pod racing, uh, course was really cool just to like you have those kind of nostalgic like i saw this in the movie theater type thing and i don't care what anybody mm-hmm. says pod racing was so cool <laughs> it yeah, still yeah. is so cool yeah, yeah. um 
But there's a, a quote that he says that kind of stood out to me. And again, this might be a bit of a stretch, but for me, it just reminded me of this was he says that it, it handles like it's a rail speeder. And it reminded me of Pretty Woman where Julia Roberts says like, oh, this card handles like it's on rails. Yeah. And it was like one of those things that I was like, it's such kind of a famous quote from Pretty Woman that like maybe they're kind of poking a little fun at that or like making a little like, hey, it reminds me of this moment. It might not be a direct quote, but like it just reminded me of it because she's like so very like it's a very famous quote from that movie. Dude, and she's like 41 years old. Like, of course, that that's exactly at her teen years when she would have seen that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The armor yeah. goes to touch the dark saber. He closes her hand. And <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty woman podcast now, folks. So buckle up. Uh, no, uh, do you want me one. to give one more just because we keep it going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Starliner from Galaxy's Edge. They're oh, throwing those in everywhere, yeah, guys. Those, they <laughs> they yeah. want you to it's go to that hotel. It's not the same one, though, right? It's not the same one, but the fact that they're like, Starliner, Starliner, he's taking the bus, Starliner. You're like, oh, yeah. I could go on that ship. Not the yeah. same one, but I could. Don't cosplay. They're saying they're pretty much telling you not to cosplay to those hotels. They're saying fully weapons. They're saying fully do it. Do cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> Are they? They said. Yeah. That's oh, wow. according to Ashley Eckstein. That's they're saying, and, you know, like in the park, you still can't wear like a full length cloak. Um, I don't think you could have any blasters, but they're can't saying wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing fully covering your face, but show up in your character, essentially. That's cool. I like that. No weapons, though. Yeah. Um, um, all right. I'll, I'll, have... I'll do a quick one right on yeah. just with the Starliner thing. Rex, like that pilot droid showing up like that's oh, another yeah. kind of like. Uh, Easter egg to I guess Galaxy's Edge, but more appropriately, probably Star Tours, um, kind of using him as like a droid. Uh, and I think he I, he may have even been in another episode of uh, Mandalorian, if I'm not mistaken, an earlier one. But it was He's interesting in to see him the being like, or what, oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So it's like a, a a strong focus on that particular uh, character. But there was also um, there's a lot of little Easter egg droids. There's the Empire Strikes Back droid, the one that like Han is like wait a minute you know what i'm talking about <laughs> when he's uh, on the falcon uh, yeah he's on like preparing oh, the yeah, falcon. Yeah. he tells the thing to like wait, wait a, a minute second. yeah yeah wait a second and then he ends up like having the conversation and the droid like walks away <laughs> like yeah. in the background <laughs> i always think that's so funny he tells it to wait and it just like walks away but yeah. you know i saw it in this episode uh at pelimato's and i was like that's that droid you know what i mean and, and I, I don't know if i'll steal it from somebody but obviously you know, there's another very popular droid that shows up at yeah. Pelly Mottos. Um, yeah. I guess I'll just I say it. It's it. fine. Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the BD droid or whatever, which people immediately will connect to when it was created for the game Jedi Fallen Order. I um, laughed when they groaned when she was like, hey, Mando's <laughs> back. And they all go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that droid showing up, I don't. I, I would like to think it means something. It probably doesn't. They're probably just pulling random types of droids, but it looks great in live action. It and does. it's like almost like the softest of pitches. Like, hey, do you like this in live action? We can do it, you know? And yeah. So it kind of plays in that world a little bit and, and uh, maybe gets you a little bit excited. But um, but no, I, I liked how cute it was and how it interacted with Mandalorian throughout the episode. Uh, great. It droid. was well animated. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I like that a lot. Um, also, like back to what Lacey's saying about the N1, uh, he definitely tried spinning and he probably heard that was a cool <laughs> trick. So <laughs> he did that. I like um, that he doesn't need a docking ring, which I thought was like very. Uh, oh, Obi yeah. From yeah. Obi-Wan Starfighter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
Uh, Rick, one of our listeners, sent this to me, and he's like, I can't make the live show, but if, if you don't mind bringing this up, because it's a great call, and I haven't seen anyone else talk about this. A lot of people were saying that um, like Vertical Ring City Place oh. was a lot like Halo, but he brought up in an old Star Wars Marvel comic issue 19, they go to a place called The Wheel, and check out this place. Look at this. I don't know if you can see it on the camera. Look at that ring. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like in an old Star Wars comic, and he said the upper level is called the Crimson Casino. So I don't know if that means anything or whatever, because sometimes they try to loosely create something new out of something old. But I thought that was a great Easter egg. So good, uh, good, good point out there, Rick. Good job. Um, I don't have that many others. So Adam, I had if this you one. Wanna... Galactic oh, yeah. Curator said that some Kendall said, "Hey, Kendall said some people on Discord mentioned the." Uh, Cryo Cairo con- converter stick looks like part uh looks like the trash compactor stick that they yep. use yeah. in New Hope. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um Adam, if you have others just fire them off. Um I have several, but I'll just do a couple and then be that guy and tell you that if you want to hear the rest you have to listen to my podcast also. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um the uh what's a good one? While you're looking really quick, Lacey, you mentioned the Beggar's Canyon. I saw somewhere that they said that the 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 barricade was broken still. Like mm-hmm. no one had fixed the barricade that led up. To yeah, the that's what I saw. Someone, yeah, showed a screenshot. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have a chance to go take a look at it, but it was kind of funny because, you know, that's very clearly they show that shot to be like, remember when he broke it? You know, it's like not just the area, yeah. but a very specific piece of. Yep. The other thing is. There. You know, we saw Carson Tava again, which is awesome. I was so excited to see him and hear his voice again. Uh, He's been on the show. So as soon as you hear his voice, you're like, oh, my God, it's Paul. Uh, And then the guy that played Luke Skywalker, Max Lloyd-Jones, plays the other lieutenant, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. was cool. Good for that, dude. Right? Good for that. He's living my dream. He gets to be Luke Skywalker and an X-Wing pilot. (laughs) And he got the whole baby Yoda, Grogu. Might get an action figure now out of it, out of the deal. That's a good Dang. point. What else years. you got, Adam? The, so the N1 Starfighter J-type pulse engines that, um, that Pelly's talking about. Padme's Naboo Cruiser is a J-type Nubian starship. So I don't know if yes. that's like an upgrade, like put a Corvette engine in a, you know, a LeBaron convertible kind of thing. Or <laughs> what, but, you know, either way, referencing the same... <laughs> type of uh, starship engine i like that you went with lebaron convertible i'm thinking of like george costanza now <laughs> driving know. john voight's car <laughs> um, um yeah if anyone else oh, let me throw throw them out and, and we'll we'll get the rest out I, uh just a couple fun things like i heard fathier yeah. was tossed out i heard mm-hmm. uh obviously he says wizard at the end that's a that was a fun moment like a callback to that one and yeah. says it um, so legit so genuinely like, yes wizard yeah, he was right. like you. Yeah. You could tell he was feeling it. You could tell he was feeling it before that too, because she goes, "Why don't you jump in there and fire it up?" And he goes, "Can I?" Like he's like, "Really?" Yeah. <laughs> like you could tell he was like getting excited about it's it. It's working, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, the napkin that looked like okay, Grogu with the head and the ears, that was a big one that everybody was talking about. It's such a cute oh, little yeah. little moment. Yeah, uh-huh. they're going to market and, that with like, um, treats. They're going to package them with those little like napkins now. Yes. <laughs> I saw a very specific moment. And I, this might be a stretch. I might have done this stuff too, but like 
there's a moment where he's sitting there and you're like supposed to be focused on him sitting in the the cruiser and then like a droid like walks in front of the screen and blocks the whole screen oh, and i was the like Bronto? Yeah, it felt very much like it was them saying like that's okay to do that you know yeah. and the fact that like they do it in the episode and nobody complains is like that's because it's just part of filmmaking and it's not really that big of a deal and it makes you feel immersive it's almost kind of like they're saying George is was right. George is fine. Leave it yeah. alone. It doesn't have to. You don't have to see everything. It makes it more uh, uh, like there's stuff going on around your characters, too. So I, I just thought it was funny. It's like clearly blocks the whole screen for like, yeah. you know, three seconds. Bryce, or something. Bryce Dallas Howard coming out as a huge uh, special edition fan. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, must be. Must be. Yeah. Cool with me um all right well we can scoot along to our uh next segment uh which uh is our giveaway our season-long giveaway and it is called the mando code so every episode i've been giving away one number in, out of order on a scrambled number that we're gonna reveal the final number for when the season finale airs in a couple of weeks but hopefully you've been following along each week gathering your numbers and um at the end of the season i will let you know how you can enter to win if you think you have it correct at that time we won't ex be accepting them early but the grand prize is a star wars black series boba fett re-armored wearable electronic helmet um so good luck to everyone there i revealed the fourth number in the code last week so make sure you go back and gather that if you haven't yet because now the fifth number in the mando code is six so jot it down don't share it because obviously you want to win you don't want to you don't want to be buddies with people. You're a bounty hunter. You're on your own doing your thing. Um, all right. So next, we're going to move on. Just have a discussion about this thing. And uh, we'll start it off by pointing out maybe our favorite single moment, favorite shot, favorite scene uh, in this chapter. So our guest of honor, Adam, did you have a favorite single shot, a favorite moment, favorite line, any single thing that stood out to you like that? That was my favorite spot of that chapter. It's so easy to go for the Night of a Thousand Tears D-Day kind yeah. of shot, <laughs> but I'm going to have to go with the uh, like the whole sequence, basically, of the rebuilding of the N1 with Peli cool. and then the test flying. It was like I'm a sucker for montages, especially building <laughs> montages, being a maker, being just like uh, you know a nerd like that. And then the test flight had so much Top Gun vibe in it <laughs> and I'm such, you know, a Top Gun nerd. And I, I, I also love how, um, you know, he he pulled up kind of next to the, the X-Wings, seeing that juxtaposition of the old and the new. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, also interesting really cool. because the old is like the more sleek looking one. It's, it's, it was just like such a cool moment. Right. So all of all of that, that sequence, the building and the test flight. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're definitely all in on the eras blending into one another. And sure. I, I think that is a really cool aesthetic as well. And I'm glad you, you, you point that out. Cause I didn't make that connection. Like those were sort of the quote unquote X wings of the Phantom Menace. That was like, this is your new version of that yeah. good guy ship. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, uh, uh, all right, so I'm up. Uh, I am picking the, the, I said it before, the Night of a Thousand Tears shot with the orange background after the explosion that created silhouettes out of the Imperial Security Droids, a.k.a. the, the K2-style 
droids and the the imperial probe droids uh up top that's that's just like it's its own poster or wallpaper in itself and just a, a beautiful shot and how crisp it looked um i, I just uh, i was like wow i can't believe i'm seeing this uh, so i thought that was my favorite single shot plenty of moments to go through but single shot i'm gonna give that one my heaviest vote um Lacey, how about you did you have a favorite moment quote shot yeah, so I geeked super hard at the uh, continuous take, the long the long shot in the beginning of the episode where he goes to the ring planet. And, I mean, consistently through the whole episode, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard does a great job of, like, world building, like James said, where he, she has the droid go in front of the camera. Kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of, like, The Empire Strikes Back where Han and Leia are arguing and someone walks between them. Like, it creates this, yeah. like thing like you're there you're it's not like a perfectly set up shot there's stuff going on there's blocking etc um but the shot that mando goes into the elevator rides up the elevator comes in then goes the camera goes around the entire table and then back out down the elevator that is such a beautiful shot and the technical skill and effort and blocking and acting and everything that went into that shot was just so well done and it's so well done because you don't notice it unless you're looking for it like unless you have an eye where you're like looking for those kind of technical things you probably didn't even notice it because it's just that good um and then like the shots at the end when they're building the ship there's these beautiful uh kind of pan slide shots where you have uh mando looking one way and at Pelimoto and and the camera's going this way and then in the same direction it's going the opposite way as well uh she just did a really good job Bryce Ellis Howard of like playing with the 180 degree rule with cameras and like if he's looking into the box she shot up from the box mm-hmm. like pa- playing with the access of where the camera is looking um it just was so interesting and I loved it and I that one take though I geeked out so hard and I had Matt come in and watch it with me and like talk about it <laughs> The technical nice. skill. He thinks that the uh, actors were put in post and weren't there because he says there's like a certain glow around them that he's like, those kind of look like they were just put in after the fact. And I was like, I mean, maybe. For the long shot, you mean? Yeah. It is interesting because considering they're still in the volume. He's saying it just looked kind of like if you go back and look and I agree, there's kind of a fuzz to it, but it might just be the certain lighting that they had that like he mm-hmm. thought maybe they blocked it out and had Mando act to the table and go around the whole table. But nobody's sitting there. Yeah. But anyway, maybe. regardless, yeah. it's still a really cool take. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be two shot. Like maybe they're playing with the 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 volume to the extent of it used to be you know, shot, shot, shot. Now they're actually going, okay, let's get a shot. Let's get another shot in the volume and superimpose them or put them together. You know, maybe this is the first time they're, they're using a Robert's knowledge of like, you know, putting multiple things together. Yeah. The elevator was really cool though. And it reminded me of hunger games because they could do the whole elevator shot and catching fire where they go into the elevator and it's one take all the way down. It reminded me of that because you see the whole background moving at the same time. Um, and then, of course, the armor shot where you see the big star field and she's kneeling. Yeah. Just there were yeah. so many just beautiful shots in this episode. That reminded um, me of something else. But, James, I want to go to you if you had a favorite moment or shot or a quote from this. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good ones. But, I, you know, one that hasn't been mentioned then that's just kind of personal to me is uh, I I am feel drawn to the character of Paz Vizla. I think he's just cool. Like, I don't know what it is about, like his armor or something, just like the gun and the, the jetpack and everything about him. So I was very excited, like to see 
not the armor, but like when he comes around the corner, I'm like, yes, you're still around. You're still a character. Um, I'm not super happy with the way that all went down, you know, (laughs) but there was a lot in there um, to, to like about that character showing up and me being very excited about him. Like they, they have very specific shots of him, like noticing the blade and looking and then, you know, they have their conversation and then he's the final shot before the wipe. You know, yeah. and stuff. I'm like, well, yep. he's obviously going to be wanting to get that back or he's thinking about trying to take that. Um, and so I was I was getting excited by their choices of, of editing uh, because I knew what they were trying to allude to, that he was eventually going to take that back. Another quick Easter egg, too, like I forgot to mention the whole like Trials of the Darksaber thing with Rebels. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and the interaction between him and the saber and she's trying to, like, teach him how to do it. It's just like, go back and watch that episode, which I did. And I'm like, yeah, man, like Kanan's saying the same stuff to Sabine. It's like it's really cool, like the way it's all coming together. But obviously, Dave, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> and he's up next week. So we'll see what if he if he branches or continues that. Um, so let's just kind of chat about the episode, you know, what, what it did, what it laid out, um, what it means to the world building, the lore, just the story, how we feel about Boba Fett, not being in the best chapter of the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot He's of things literally what... not in it. And it says at the end, it's starring to yeah, Morrison. But... Right. So, so <laughs> the, the one thing I kind of noticed is when Mando shows up, and they're just like, we're not, we're going right for it. Like you said, Adam, he's, it's the return, return of the Jedi. It's return of the Mandalorian. There's the title. Boom. There he is right there out of the gate. Um, but the music they're playing as he is first shown is very ominous, very dark. He kind of is walking in this sort of serial killer, Michael Myers sort of way. There's a darkness to him. And then the way he takes out those guys is very malicious, uh, harkening back to, chapter one of the Mandalorian before he met Grogu and started becoming more of a human in, mm-hmm. in a, in a uh, proverbial sense. So it's almost like, in my opinion, him and Boba Fett are like two ships passing in the night where you had the guy who was the ruthless bounty hunter who's now becoming more of a human because he met his found family in the Tuscans and he's sort of changing his ways. And you have Mando who became that, but now he's going back to what he was good at because he no longer has Grogu. So I, I think there's this sort of weird dichotomy where they're sort of becoming the other one, but on the on like the reverse um, direction. So that that was the, the the first big thing I saw, and I don't know how that's going to play out when they get together. Um, but I'll throw that out there. But uh, let's just chat about it and what the, what else this episode brought to the table. Can I ask a stupid question? I'm going to pull a Michael Scott and be like, explain this to me like I'm five. Uh, why is the dark saber so hard for him to throw around? Because he's, I couldn't remember. It's it's implied that there, there's something more there than just like a, a you know a dumb inanimate object, like right? a power. Got it. Yeah, like it's it's imbued with the force in some way. Yeah, is my interpretation. But mm-hmm. she, she keeps saying, you know, it, it, you can't fight it. You can't try to use your strength to yeah. manipulate it. You have you have to work with it essentially. And I think yeah, there's yeah. a lot of implication there for like the idea that, which I'm fully sold on the idea that there are so many more force sensitives in this universe than the narrow dogmatic view of the Jedi would let on. Mm-hmm. That was you almost know? a verbatim quote drop. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, as far as I'm concerned, 
Han Solo has a higher midichlorian count than, you know, the chef down the street at, you know, the diner, whatever. Right. You know, he may, might not be a force wielder formally. He might not even be aware of it, but he's got faster reflexes. He's got this or that because he's got more midichlorians. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Yeah. You don't have to go and pursue the religion or pursue uh, the power is kind of like Leia didn't pursue yeah. for a long time. Yeah, I'm with you. On it that. was crazy seeing him hurt himself with it. That was the first yes. time I think I've ever seen a person hurt themselves with their lightsaber. So, yeah, one, one thing that was interesting, too, is like, you know, they say, John, you're not like a super fan of this, but like Ray, like, you know, it calls to you like the lightsaber is kind mm-hmm. of like speaking yeah. to or trying to bond with a particular person is like what what happens when a lightsaber is not calling to a person, you know what I mean? And it's right. not trying to. And I think that's kind of like what the lightsaber is. Is like, he's sitting there and he says, like, it's getting heavier. And when you go back and watch the Sabine stuff, if she's using it more and more, she mentions that it feels lighter. And he's like, that's because you're starting to like, get it. You're starting to bond with it. And it has a lot to do with like your process of understanding who your enemy is. And he, like, she's, she's fighting when I say she, I mean, Sabine, she was like fighting with herself. Like she didn't know if she wanted to wield this weapon or not. So it was like, yes, I'm doing it, but I'm clearly, I have an attitude about it. And the saber's not reflecting with that. She needed to like connect with it and they needed to be on the same page in order to effectively use the weapon. And if Mandalorian is feeling the same way, he's like, I, you know, what, what is this thing? I don't care. Then you take it, you know, kind of thing. It was giving me Lord of the Rings vibes. Then he's having a hard time wielding this thing. And, and she's like, it's not going to help you to keep trying if you're not actually going to change your mind. And then they go through the whole process of fighting over it. And then he gets kicked out of the thing. So I think he's really in a, a crisis right now and he's technically using the weapon, but I think they're either going to take it away from him like he's going to lose it, give it up, or somebody else is going to take it, whatever. Or he's going to have to learn to accept his role as this new leader or something like that, which well, probably seems more likely. It's, it's, it's like Luke with lifting the X-Wing. He wasn't fully believing himself and believing Correct. in himself, yeah. so he wasn't able to do it. Um, and that's why you fail. It's, it's, it's I, similar to me in that in that regard. I was getting some evil vibes though from the armor and Paz Vizzle there like mm. the whole I thought setting. they were going to jump him didn't it feel a little Palpatine Vader-y and, and like mm-hmm. the setting looked a little Death Star-ish the ramp she's at the end kind of like how Vader looks out at the starscape and she's saying bring me the weapon like Palpatine did to about Luke's saber there was just a lot of parallels I noticed between Palpatine and Vader and her and Paz Vizsla and how she oversaw their them fighting like she was giving me like big time Sheevy Babe vibes in, yeah. in this in this chapter, that's a good so. connection with him being the vader character yeah where it's yeah. like you know he brings the weapon and then like they end up fighting and and one like ends she's up saying winning. bo-katan is like she's the problem i'm not thinking the armor is the problem yeah I, I, don't, I don't know hey can i make a bold prediction or do you want to say that oh oh yeah okay i go more in depth with this we kind of talk about it a bit in our, our coverage which comes out tomorrow on thank the maker but to the point about um, Din potentially either being uh, having the Darksaber stolen or relinquishing it or this or that. Sure. I think the way he feels about it now 
he's Neo in the Matrix. Mm. He he heard what he needed to hear to become who he needs to be or who he's ultimately going to be. Uh, like Spider-Man. So, yeah, same kind of thing. So You're saying what he needed to hear was them kicking him out? Yes, and saying, you know, and like in just be, being told by everyone that being told opposing things by everyone, you know, he's got, um, you know, at, at the season finale of season two, being told essentially like, oh, now you're the leader of Mandalore with, right. your, with your Darksaber. And then being told by the armorer and, and sort of this side of things that he, well, number one, he's kicked out and he, it's just everything's being challenged. So he's he's in a really bad place. Grogu's gone. I mean, we, we see in the opening of the episode, he's not just back to his old ways. I think he's dealing with stuff emotionally, so he's just out there cutting people in half because yeah, what else is he going to sure. do? So, yeah. so if you think about the fact that the the Darksaber was forged by, and she says it, someone who was not only Mandalorian but also Jedi, what if the ultimate heir to this Darksaber must also be Mandalorian and Jedi, like a true Mandalorian and a true Jedi Yes. Yeah. What if what if it's him? He doesn't know it. He doesn't understand the force. He's like, hey, kid, do the hand thing. You know, what, you know, kid, you know, bring me the rock. What the hell's wrong with you? He doesn't get the force. He doesn't get this Mandalorian. Um, uh, the, the, he doesn't get the other side of it. You know, I mean, he's just like he's the best person to be the leader of Mandalore. You know, he he's like one click off of being just a farm boy you know what i mean so you you think it's still him i thought you were going down the grogu path so he's gonna be like which a I'm lot thinking, of people have been going down yeah i'm thinking potentially din could be like a legit force wielder and not be a jedi formally but it could be revealed at some point he is in fact a force wielding mandalorian and that's i mean why he I is truly... the mandalorian yeah exactly yeah yeah what, what i thought was really interesting in this episode is that that discussion that him and the uh armor were having because she says uh you know the jedi need to get rid of all their attachments and he's like but that's the opposite of what the mandalorians do you know what i mean we're we're very loyal and stuff so then they are going to make him the, the armor and all this. And so I was like, okay, so I feel like those two ideas are maybe still coming together loosely, but that when they said those two things are opposite, I was like, but it immediately called back to the story she just told. I'm like, but you have a character who was very clearly Jedi and Mandalorian. And he yeah. was the one who wielded or who created forged the saber so those ideas can mix um, those ideologies and a person can still abide by both of them as is told by the saber. That's the legend of the saber. So it, it when they're saying, you know, Grogu doesn't follow the rules or he can't be Mandalorian for these reasons, but he can be for these reasons. It just oh, the whole thing started all to come together. And I'm like, I think they're going to play both that you can be force sensitive and Jedi's and Mandalorians yeah. and connections and not connecting. Like it just all feels like they're just going to play with that. And he's going to write his own version of what it means to be, which is going to be true of the dark sabers legend. Just like Ray, like teaching the same lessons as the sequels that all the yeah. dogma of what we thought was the only way, the Jedi way, the Mandalorian way, is not the end all be all right right yeah it, yeah it just seems like there is this sort of very 
dedicated to this creed, almost to the point of an obsession with the armorer that whoever she was is just festering more and more into this obsession with this way that she is so focused on to restore Mandalore that she may have lost her way in terms of a, like righteousness or something. And Paz Vizsla is right there behind her. So that's kind of why I'm seeing the master and apprentice thing between the two of them. And a lot of the, the constructs and shots and stuff like that gave me a lot of those Luke Vader emperor vibes where Mando was the Luke character in the situation. Uh, Paz Vizsla was the Vader and she was the emperor. Um, yeah. And it, it's just like, I never thought of the armorer as bad or Paz Vizsla as bad. I was just like, these are Mandalorians. They're just trying to like scrape by and they're trying to like do the best they can to keep it going and, and honor what came before them. And now I'm getting a total like antagonistic, dark bad intentions like sort of your uh the dark knight quote like you're you're the hero long enough until you uh you live long enough to become the villain sort of thing yeah even when bo katan showed up she's like oh i know children of the watch like religious yeah crazy not so yeah there's almost too many rules you can't follow them you try to follow that you're never going to be able to like live for something that matters you know yeah to, to adam's point like luke recognized that about the Jedi that they got so like bogged down in their egos and their obsession with what they thought was the right way. And it wound up not being, yeah, that paid. power doesn't belong to you. It's like, yeah. it's the yeah. it's universal. It's not the Jedi can't write these rules that need to be followed because whether you follow them or not, the force still exists and it's still going to exist beyond any religion. And if we keep saying this is the only way to be good, then this, that needs to stop. And Luke is willing to like end that yeah the whole situation was definitely giving me creep vibes like i the whole time i was watching i was like something's not right here something's a little off a little sus dude you Uh, know the vibe that i got uh, right with that is pez vizsla has this like uh this entitlement just like Mm -hmm. i'm thinking like um um uh and damn gladiator um oh commodus yes you know what i mean like that it's just that that trope of like the the heir to the throne and oh yeah this belongs to me just because yeah um, and ultimately yeah. they're like uh you know they're an, an impotent dipshit who doesn't <laughs> sh- should be entitled to anything yeah he did seem yeah. a little stupid when he picks it up he's like and now i have the blade yeah but he can't <laughs> even pick it up yeah yeah exactly like who's this creep get him out of here I have to say, people are making some jokes in the the chat, which I had said to James and John earlier, uh, was that very mean girls like you can't sit with us. (laughs) (laughs) I totally got those vibes from them. On Wednesdays, we wear Beskar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Quick, quick thing that that's not Jon Favreau, right? It sounded weird to me. It sounded weird. No, it's him for sure. It's uh, I I noticed it right away that I was like, oh, when he speaks, it's going to be John Favreau's voice. Can't wait to hear it and pick it out. And I'm like, that sounded weird. It that sounded sounded off. Him. Like they mixed it differently and, than the first season, which sounded very much him. I don't think it is. I, I looked at all the credits. He's not credited as, as being uh, at the beginning with all the speaking characters roles. And then he doesn't show up as any sort of cameo listing or anything. I think he's pulling a James Earl Jones and just giving the credit to the, the physical actor because it's the on stunt Wik- guy. Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. It's his voice. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. They, they may have just it's on Wikipedia. Just, 
I was going to say they may have engineered it a little differently than when we last heard him. And definitely, it sounded way yeah. lower than the first and season, which was like, "Oh, you're that's John Favreau." It sounds like Rio Duran on purpose to add to add some menace to it and add that sort of you know dark yeah. edge to the character. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, and he wasn't. Doesn't, sound, doesn't sound like him to me. <laughs> I'm still a little skeptical. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, hey, for context though, the James Earl Jones reference I made, he was not credited on a new hope right or not even uh it wasn't until return of the jedi right i think you might be right yeah because he was embarrassed at first wasn't he wasn't yeah, that story? Like, yeah one of those voice actors what the hell is this <laughs> uh, I, imdb does say john favreau as paz Vizla, but it says uncredited so i don't know and also imdb you gotta be a little careful because sometimes that well I, no i'm saying that's more confirmation for me because yeah. it oh, okay. wasn't on IMDb earlier, um, so and he's not in the credits. So that's look, cool. looking right. ahead, looking ahead to chapter six, Mando alludes to the fact that he's going to go to Grogu. Not necessarily like he's going to be like, "Hey, Grogu, this is pretty cool. Come, why don't you come down here?" <laughs> yeah. um, I still he's do the, old the green phone, bubbles. By the way, this is my phone <laughs> still. Um, I. I'm curious as to where we go. Obviously, Boba Fett's going <laughs> to... Yeah, there you go, Zach Morris. Uh, <laughs> you push the antenna down, you hang out. <laughs> or this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, rotary. Um, so where are we going in, in Chapter 6? I know there's a lot of people wondering, like, oh, Luke Skywalker's coming, uh, Grogu's coming, everyone's coming. Uh, Adam, wh- wh- what's going on with the show in Chapter 6 with Dave Filoni? Um, I think... Oh, God. It's, uh, I'm just I just laughing I, at I, everybody's I, speculation for chapter five when it was like, so I think uh, in chapter five, Boba Fett will wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, immediately just hard yeah. wrong if you thought he was even going to be in it. <laughs> I I would say, yeah, was it being Filoni's next week confirmed 100%? Or is he? I, oh, uh, he, I know he he wrote it. He wrote chapter six. That's confirmed. So the assumption is that he's because di- he is a director on this yeah. season. They're assuming yeah, he's, he's directing a director the one on the season. So yeah. it's either this week or next week. And he wrote next week's. So yeah. uh, I, I'm sorry. God, yeah, you I've know got, what? I, you follow me. <laughs> I've yeah, I've I have some bold predictions about the whole thing, but um, smaller predictions. I feel like we have to see Bosk. He's he's got he. Like, who knows if it's going to be next week or the following week, but the setup for it is so deliberate, or at least it seems deliberate to me. The conflict between Black Chrysanthemum and the Trandoshans, they didn't throw that scene in, in the uh, the sanctuary there where right. he rips the one's arm off just to be like, hey, this guy's tough. Like, the, the Wookiee the Wookie pelt, the history from Clone Wars and, and elsewhere mm-hmm. of them hunting Wookiees. Um, and then... You know, obviously the connection to to Boba Fett from The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. I think he is potentially going to come in maybe as part of the crew, and there's going to be some conflict between the two of them. I'm still um, I'm for sure. Crazy boss, man. Yeah. They they said they're looking for muscle. Maybe Mandalorian's not the only one they go to. Yeah. I'm still and holding they- out for, um, I don't know. I don't know if this is the time to speculate. I'm holding out for think, some big ridiculous stuff. Do you do you think Crimson Dawn is, is the big reveal, or do you think we've everyone is just so on the pulse of that that that's not going to be the case? I think I'm feeling 
more and more strongly about it because they slipped the Crimson Dawn theme into the end of last episode, I think. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like four notes. I know people and Mando's, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Boba Fett's theme at the end. Um, and people are saying this imagery of the crest of Crimson Dawn at, at the mayor's place via the yeah, shadow yeah. from the sun. Um, so, there, I mean, we could just be seeing things with our eyes and, and assuming that that's the case. It could be yeah. coincidence, but um, it, it's very possible. And you know what? The thing about Bosk is they've been trying to get him involved for a long time now. Like he was at one point going to be the big reveal at the end of Solo instead of Maul. Yeah. Um, yeah they're like, they've been trying to get him in. And now that they've like keep making these Trandoshans and they all look so cool. What a time to bring that guy back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, there's so many, this is bigger picture stuff. Cause I, I ultimately see this as just an offshoot of the Mandalorian. I don't see it as a standalone series at all. I think it's all one big story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if there's another season of this and then the Ahsoka series, I think it's just like everything else, you know, and, until two years ago, they were, they were offshoots of the Skywalker saga. This is its own lane. And, all of these things are offshoots of that that one timeline, so to speak. But you think about how connected Ahsoka is to Mandalore, the, the relationship she had there. That's where she battled Maul, you know, for the, the last time, basically. Mm-hmm. Maul once ruled Mandalore. He was tied, you know, to Crimson Dawn. Like, uh, everything, it's just like, it's it's Dutch door action. Like, everything is, you know, it's all like that. Yeah. connected. Yeah. So... Yeah we could see any of like a half a dozen huge things in these last two episodes, or they could just be teased and then end up in the other two, three series that we have coming up. It's just which one is it going to be? Like, are we going to see Kira? Are we going to, you know, so on? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to tie up all the, all the loose ends. That's, that's a good point. Um, Lacey, I know we have uh, some super chats you have to get to, right? So, uh, yeah. Do you want me to give my speculation or do you want to jump into those? Well, it's up to you. If you want to do those or order yours, sure. your call, whatever you prefer. So first up, we have a super chat from Jackie Cobb. Hey, Jackie, you didn't write anything, but if you write it in the chat like, this is my super chat, <laughs> I'll make sure to grab <laughs> it for you. Um, we have a couple more. Hold on. Thanks, oh, I'm scrolling. We have Sooner Thrawn. What up, Sooner Thrawn? Who said, anyone else fear them losing Din's luggage? Yes, there were so many moments oh. in this episode that gave me anxiety. All which caps, is- anxiety. Yes. yes, that was when like he's that. like, I'm putting this thing into this luggage. I'm like, there it goes. There it goes. It's gone. All this stuff's gone. <laughs> yeah. And I was it was what's the thing we were just talking about this, like so and so's shotgun or whatever the story is like that, like writing tool or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, no, I was like, what is the <laughs> you don't. OK, well, um, what what is the point of showing him going through that conversation process, and the yeah. process when he goes there and he opens it up and it's all there and i'm like okay so he didn't lose it so why are you showing me this i was like maybe there's like a tracker or something and then it like never showed up and i was like i don't know we got two more episodes <laughs> let's see let's see if there was a point to that is it or literally just a just joke of being DSA. like exactly yeah, it's been humorous <laughs> it could have just been a funny bit that they threw in Dude, when he was like yeah. emptying out, you know, the the, the cable, Whistling you birds. know, and the, yeah. all of it, like it was, it reminded me of something specific from a movie that I can't put my finger on, but it was like a, you know, like, like a parody movie, like Airplane or some crap like that. You know what I mean? You can yeah, have like, all it, these like things. He's gonna, yeah. He's going to check his pocket and there's like a, a nine foot balloon animal in there or something. Yeah, or a rainbow right. handkerchief that's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah funny, exactly. They made him take his shoes off. <laughs> yeah it's like pink socks on like, come on through man 
That did yeah. give me anxiety, though. That and like the armor whole sequence. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna turn on him. Oh my god, oh my god. And then this, yeah. who th- would have thought luggage would give me stress, but it did. Yeah. Uh, next is Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, the super buddy. chat said maybe this was mentioned and I missed it, but Moff Gideon didn't seem to struggle with the dark saber. Yeah. Right. It's true. He really didn't. He just kind of wielded it. But how long did he have it? I think he kind of did. did. Do we know re- how long he had it for? I remember criticizing that oh, fight. It's like it was built up and it, it felt like he was like, ugh, ugh, the whole time. Oh, yeah. Just throwing it around. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I don't I may maybe go back and rewatch it with the light of saying like maybe he is or isn't struggling with it. And like I also don't know like obviously Maul used it. So like was it was it cool with what was Maul doing? Like maybe it was cool with what Moff Gideon was doing. Like I don't know. Although they kind of allude to it like it's not supposed to be taken under bad circumstances. Right. You mm. know, cuz it'll bring mm. pain or whatever, but may, maybe that's part of it cuz it was taken under bad circumstances. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to make it really easy to bring problems for the Mandalorian. So I'm going to make it easier for Moff Gideon, to, Moff Gideon to use it so that the prophecy can be fulfilled, that it will bring problems to the Mandalorian. It's all complicated. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of it. Yeah. So that's it for Super Chats. Uh, my thoughts on what's next. I honestly think this next episode is going to be Luke. I think that because it's Filoni's, supposedly Filoni's episode, and I feel like there's no one else they'd trust more to write Luke than Filoni, uh, if not with Favreau, but the direction too, especially because we got the Ahsoka episode with Filoni. I feel like those big, important moments with legacy characters are kind of getting input from Dave Filoni. I also Mm -hmm. think he'd be great for this kind of probably lore spiritual type explanation of the episode we don't know if din is gonna ask luke for advice with the dark saber or what's gonna happen with that about like the jedi mindset and talking about that um i know some people said they thought that din in the chat which by the way thanks guys for being in the chat we really appreciate it keep the comments and questions coming um People in the chat said that they thought that maybe Din would go away in the next episode and come back again. I think they're going to tie up that Grogu thing pretty quick to get to the action with the next. There's only two episodes left, guys. So that's my opinion anyway. Um, And then we're going to see all these kind of people come together for this war. Um, I do think Crimson Dawn is behind everything. I said that from the first episode with those like assassins that I thought that they were behind Crimson Dawn was a behind that assassination attempt. And I know that they kind of commented about maybe the Huts did it, but then the Huts made it sound like they didn't do it and they weren't sure who hired them. So it just kind of makes me think that like all these little kind of breadcrumbs are leading to Crimson Dawn. And if Amelia Clark shows up, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. At this point, um, I don't feel like I want to call it. I, I want to say, yeah. I yeah. hear everything. It all makes sense. Whatever it ends up being, I'm going to like it. I'm going to be happy mm-hmm. with that outcome. Um, you know, the way we're talking about him needing to go find muscle, you know, it's like, uh, okay, well, that could be um, Bosk. That could be Cad Bane. You know, like that could yeah. be the next episode wh- where we're finally getting some of those payoffs or whatever. And I feel, I do feel like, there's a quick little criticism here. I do feel like we kind of brushed over the fact that this was the best episode of the show so far. And it's the one that doesn't include the Boba Fett character and the story and all that other stuff. What does that say about it? If Boba Fett does want to land, um, 
as being like, oh man, I remember watching Book of Boba Fett, started slow, wasn't really feeling it, landed great, and I now I remember it fondly. Like, I think these last couple episodes do have to do something because, I mean, Mandalorian shows up and, like, he's not saving the Book of Boba Fett, but clearly all of our scores were the highest they've been, you know? Yeah. There's something mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. that is, is causing that to... um to shake out that way. And, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm, I'm cool with whatever they decide to do, um, for the, for this show, but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I'm, I'm still, even though she was the one to be there to greet Mando, I'm still keeping an eye on Fennec Shan. Cause I still think there's something going on there with her. Madam Garza, too. Oh, there's something going on with her, too. Oh, yeah. There's like loose ends at this point. That's another thing I was going to mention. Why wasn't that Boba Fett? That's the thing. She's been like constantly saying, like, let me go. Let me go. You you every this whole season, every time he says I should be out there showing my face, she's like, no, 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 no. Let me go. I guess. She's but he does go out there and show his face. I guess my criticism is, is if you're going to give us an episode of the book of Boba Fett and he's not, you know, going to be in it, it's going to be all Mandalorian. You should have probably tied him in and have Samuel Jackson show up at the end, or you should have had mm-hmm. Vin Diesel been like, uh, no, a friend at the end of Tokyo Drift, like somehow. Oh, the NOS. Sh- that was my Easter egg. The NOS, yeah. the pressing the of the NOS, button. Yeah. And he shoots yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Fast and, a lot of Fast and Furious in this, but. <laughs> <laughs> I I felt it felt weird with that being Finnick and you being like, oh, that's right. This is the book of Boba Fett. It's like, then why wasn't it? He it would have been cool to have him show up and be like, I need you back, you know, and they and they they <laughs> Rocky <laughs> Adonis like, or not Adonis, but a Dylan, you son like, of a predator. <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. But <laughs> what's the um, matter? See, I got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> nice. I like that. That was a good Arnold. But, uh, um, but that, that was, I just wanted to mention that too, because I was like, oh, it's Fennec at the end and that's cool. But like, it would have been nice to have a reminder that like, that's right. This is Book of Boba Fett, right? Now well, also we're getting with, involved. What, what's we'll cool see what is they him, do next week. Him throwing away the payment saying like, oh, it's for Boba Fett. Like, I'm cool with that yeah. guy because now we're both not Mandalorians. And yeah. I'm, like connecting with him more because Boba Fett yeah. takes his helmet off like every three seconds. So there's no yeah, chance. We're going to have to retire the name of this show. <laughs> the yeah. fan show. Everybody so, it's about is not Mandalorian I, anymore. I, I think next week it's going to up the ante for the action. Um, I don't know that we're going to be dipping too much further back with flashbacks. I don't know if they're going to revisit the Camino thing and round out why that was being teased to us. But I think by the end of the series, we'll see why that was a thing. Um, I, I still think, you know, the Rancor is going to get involved in the streets. He's going to be riding that thing and, and tearing stuff up. I, I think we're going to get a lot of cameos. I think he's going to put his tribe together. And I don't think that this is going to end on a full closure ending. Like Adam said, I think this is going to carry over uh, and have ramifications into season three of The Mandalorian and other shows that they're doing. Uh, maybe even Ahsoka, who knows? But I think they they're well aware that Boba, it's still Boba Fett show, and I don't know that we've seen the Boba Fett that we went into the show looking for, and I think that's the Boba Fett we're going to get in these last two. I think there's going to be a lot more helmet on, a lot more action, and a lot more old school Boba Fett, because Favreau in the end likes playing with his action figures, and Boba mm-hmm. Fett's his favorite yeah. action figure. So, um, any final thoughts um, before we hop out of here? I know uh, 
Lacey, we may have a, a couple more super chats we have to get to and stuff. Um, so why don't we get through those and then we can give our final thoughts and, and hop out of here. Yeah, so we have a super chat from Star Wars Theology. Thank you so much. We said, long Thank live you. the world between worlds. Will Grogu have a lightsaber already constructed? I just found the Star Wars channel. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thank we hope you. you're having fun in the chat. So what do you guys think? I'll let Adam jump in first. What do you think about Grogu having a lightsaber already? Uh, I, I think anything with Grogu that is even like more than like uh, like one click past adorable baby is something we really have to take our time like pardon the pun take baby steps to get to if he, <laughs> if he's just all of a sudden speaking full english and he has a lightsaber next time we see him it's going to be goofy i think they're really going to tread lightly and be smart with that i think it's going to be a while. Yeah. yeah what do you guys think john i don't think James? he has a lightsaber yet um, I agree with that too. I thought the the armor thing was interesting that they were going to do that route, but I just I, when thinking back on the Clone Wars and like the types of characters, like it's not necessarily their age. Obviously, it was like their like emotional growth and their ability to like explore and go find the Kyber <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, I just don't know that Grogu's there yet. He would like have to wander into a cave and like be like, oh look, there it is, and it's like yeah. the whole trial of like the hallucinations and stuff that goes into the, the Kyber thing. I just don't see him being that age. Yeah. He's still like distracted by frogs and crap. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) (laughs) Kyber crystal. Right. I, yeah, I agree. I am curious. I guess this is a good spot to end on. What do you guys think she gave him? Do you think it's a necklace, uh, his own pendant? Do you think it's like armor, like chain mail? Cause we saw the links falling. Uh, what do you guys think? she gave him to give to Grogu in that nicely neat little Etsy wrapped present. It's it, kind of, I mean, tough. chain mail seems right to me, but I, I can't imagine him looking like a knight. That goes on to Adam's point. Like we're going to get the Scott Steiner version of, <laughs> of Grogu. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. I think it has to be chain mail because that's the, they literally are spelling out for you. I think James said it, we've said it a couple of times on the show, but James brought it up earlier. It's like, Every decision when they show you something is for a reason. They want the audience to recognize that they're doing said thing. They're showing you this object. You know, they're making you focus on something. So the fact that they show those, it just kind of is like, yes, this must be it. But how does it fit in that little package? He's a tiny little guy. He you is. Yeah. You're right. You should see me like pack my kids mac- macaroni leftovers into like a little <laughs> tiny Tupperware thing. Just mash it in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, it's called it's called Chekhov's gun, and it's a dramatic principle that states that every element in a story must be necessary, and irrelevant elements elements must be cho- removed. Yeah. I think it's based on mm. somebody being like, when you show me the gun, if you're going to show me that shot, then someone eventually has to grab that gun. Yeah, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Adam, you were going to add something there. Um, well, first I was going to say um, I accidentally had my little tiny six pound dogs harness in my pocket for like hours and didn't even realize it was there. So it could very well be a whole outfit made out of chain mail for him. And it just, goes Oh, fair. Um, <laughs> but it could also just be a necklace with a pendant of his, his signet, you know, yeah, the, the yeah. so that was my first thought. Yeah. Yeah. He, he already, well, Someone had mentioned the ball from the razor crest that he always was obsessed about having her make another one. I feel like that's too personal for her to recreate. Well, He that. still has that, right? Because he picked it up out of the wreckage. 
Yeah, Mando yeah. still has it, right? All, all yeah. side note uh, is as she said that it can't be a weapon and it's only supposed to be used for armor. So to create a ball or a necklace or something is not armor. Right, right. So right. very clearly it's a form of armor <clears throat> that they're giving him. So it could be a helmet. It could be uh, a suit or a chest plate or uh, uh, armor yeah. like for his arms or something. I didn't mean that that'd be weird, but... Um, but the fact that they showed the little chain links, I, I feel like that just means like he's going to wear this. And when he wears this, maybe it's under his suit and they're going to have a, mm. he gets shot and he falls over and then they'll pull the thing and he's got the chain mail or something, you know, and it's going to be like bulletproof. Oh, vest. he w- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love this guy. Grogu's <laughs> <laughs> freaking Clint Eastwood just making yeah, exactly in the alternate 1985. Um, all right, so Adam, uh, we'll let you have the you know the final thought here. Anything you want to throw out there or or put a bow on, and then uh, of course you know give some plugs as to where people can find you. I know you you and your band are a part of that gigantic festival that's happening in Vegas later this year, which they just added a third date to. When we were young, yes. yet right? Yes. And yeah, that's so, weird yeah, that you guys in. know about that. <laughs> that's strange. It's, it was everywhere. Dude, I guess. it broke the internet. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It is For real. Me, I look at that and I'm like bamboozle, you know, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It is real. That's the first question I get from everyone. Like, dude, is this legit? Yes, it's real. <laughs> it's being organized by people who know exactly what they're doing. The, they do have enough time to get to all the bands. It's happening. It's going to be amazing. It's three dates. Uh, there's the weekend. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, 22nd, 23rd, I think. And then the following weekend, it's the exact same lineup each time. So, even if you missed the uh, missed the presale for the first one, you still have an opportunity to go and get on that next date. Who knows? Maybe they'll do it every weekend for a year because people are that pumped about it. It is crazy. But yes. then again, I mean, I agree with everyone. It's like your high school years all over again. You're like, yes. this is high school. <laughs> it's a true like, you know, early 2000s Warped Tour greatest hits kind of thing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my band's in the studio right now back and forth from nashville making a new album which is i I know everyone says this about the current thing that they're working on like oh it's the best thing we've ever done but (laughs) no joke it's the best thing we've done since our first album objectively speaking everyone who hears the songs kind of feels the same way and i haven't been this stoked on music in at least 10 years so dude that's awesome sick and it has to feel really good uh getting back out there post pandemic i'm sure there was lulls yes. uh going on so i'm glad to see that uh you guys are doing that and that you're that fired up about it and then you have uh thank the maker star wars yeah. podcast which you said you guys are putting out your your uh reaction review episode tomorrow right yeah we've been um we've been on it this time we we made the mistake with the uh with whatever what was that um bad batch was most recent, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Bad yeah. Batch, we were doing it the following week. It was stupid. It sucked. By the time uh, everybody could listen, <laughs> they were pretty much Over probably it. already watching the next episode. So we're on it this time. We're recording in the afternoon, day of. We're dropping it the next morning. Or actually, as soon as I'm done, every Wednesday, I just upload it. So it might even be up by midnight tonight. Um, cool, Thank the Maker is myself, Ryan Key from Yellow Card, Nick Gambarian from Bayside, and... Um, we love Star Wars. A bunch of musicians who love Star Wars. Yeah, you guys, you guys are great, and we love interacting with you guys. And I know Lacey's been on your show. Yeah. Um, and 
we, we just have a blast uh, hanging out and interacting with you guys. That's why I'm so glad you were able to join us. Nick had been on the show previously, so it's nice to uh, cross paths with uh, like-minded fellow awesome Star Wars fans. And uh, uh, good luck with everything with uh, the rest of the recording for the album. Looking forward to hearing that. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch base with you soon about more geeky things as well in the future. Awesome. So. I should say one more thing also. We, yeah. We've kind of expanded the podcast network. We're now a network of three. Ooh. We have Armor Party Podcast, which is all about Star Wars costuming. Our friend Mike Forster, who runs Hondo Supply, he hosts that. He has That's awesome. n- next week, the guest is, I'm failing remembering this guy's name, but he's the dude who designed Darth Vader's helmet. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Dude. Super cool. Yeah, so he's got a bunch of great guests. Um, and then Princess and Scoundrel is a new podcast that just launched uh, a few weeks ago. It's all about Galaxy's Edge and park going, Disney park going. It's hosted by um, um, some folks that were fans of the podcast and we became friends with them. Um, Sarah and Stephen Maciel. Sarah's a travel agent, actually. She she booked our our Galactic Star Cruiser trip, and that's how we met her. Awesome. Very fun. Nice, man. Very cool. They have a lot of information about uh, that Galactic Star Cruiser whole thing coming up. So check out. That podcast, you can find them at Armor Party Show on Instagram at Princess and Scoundrel. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. We are <laughs> at Thank the Maker on Twitter, at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram. I'm at Adam the Skull on all the things, and that's it. Oh, dude. Awesome, man. Um, we want to thank everybody for uh, joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, make sure you are subscribed to our show as well on your preferred audio platform or, of course, the channel here, youtube.com slash Star Wars News Net videos. Uh, we are big on Spotify, Apple, all the others. Uh, we have episodes twice a week. And once the end of Boba Fett uh, comes and goes, we will be going back to Mondays and Thursdays with TRB. So make sure you are subscribed to the show. Uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, big thank you to our patrons, Patreon.com slash Resistance Broadcast. This show does not exist without you. So thank you to especially to our Patreon generals, Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Paul Olson, Oliver Lewis, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Nathan Shank, Danny, New guy, Mike Ramore and Val Trishkoff. Spice Runners. Some of them are in the chat I know right now. Maybe all of them. David Probus, Neil Shaw, Double C, Chris, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Warr, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, Thomas Hennessy. And again, thank you to everybody who listens and supports what we do here. Next Wednesday, February 2nd. Is that? That's like around Groundhog Day, right? Hopefully we're not repeating things, though. Uh, Chapter 6, 9 p.m. East, we'll be joined by Andy Bain, frontman for the band Danger Kids, and also a very popular Twitch streamer in his own right. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, Star Wars Newsnet, and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, Lacey. People could find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Lacey Gillarin, and I will be doing the Mando Minute Reaction recap video the morning of the next episode so hopefully it's a luke episode grogu yeah. episode yes <laughs> um james i uh, find me on twitter and instagram at Meyer trunks and just eagerly anticipating that next story of the year album <laughs> absolutely That's so um nice. adam once again thanks a lot buddy this is a lot of fun uh oh, yeah any, anytime we have a guest you can just tell out of the gate whether it's going to be a good chat or smooth and it was uh so welcome back anytime on a regular pod whenever i'd love to have you buddy we'd love to have any of you guys on as well on thank the maker 
Good times. Cool, cool. <laughs> Sounds like a party to me, man. All right. Um, thank you, everybody. And from James, Lacey, Adam, and myself, thanks for watching, listening, and we'll see you next week on the Mando Fan Show. Until then, see you around, kids. Yeah.